1: It's going to be a hot summer, but not when you're driving. BNR Auto is your first name in affordable A.C. repair in San Antonio. Located downtown at 2401 West Commerce, our specialists will check your air conditioning for free. Call us at 215-1519 for all your car or truck repair services. We do the repair work no one really wants to do, and we do it right. Don't drive in this heat. BNR Auto stands for BRRRR. Mention the Bible Live for a 10% discount. And now a word from one of our Bible Live
2: sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our
1: nation a sound investment for both time and eternity you can donate by credit card at the bible live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the bible live to p.o box 18888 that's p.o box 18888 san antonio texas 78218 So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial, because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And good evening, people.
3: How is San Antonio this evening? I'm John Harrison, and I am sitting in Soapy's seat tonight, which means our fearless leader is not with us this evening, but we have... Our ever faithful Jacob here. Hey, hello there, John. How are you? Sophie will not be asking the questions tonight, as we heard in that uh, intro. That's right. And Sophie won't be
4: answering them. But,
3: <laughs> but he may be calling in. So we're on pins did, and needles yeah, he waiting.
4: He may call in. Anyway, any rate, and I am your permanent, temporary host. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, tonight we're going to do the book of Job. Job in Hebrew is Eof, which, as close as we can understand, means something about suffering. At any rate, I'm going to do it like this. Uh, Soapy and his family always writes the questions. Am I on, John? I'm good. The volume is good? Okay. Um, You're always good. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and uh, I like you, too. Anyway, <laughs> so here's, uh, here's what we got. I'm going to ask two or three questions, and I'm going to say, please call in, answer the questions you want. However... If you disagree with anything I say, call in. I'm big enough to have and handle disagreements. I just signaled John to hang up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, and also, if you would be so kind, if you'd like to call in, ask a question, or make comment about the book of Job, it would be a great thing to, for a contribution to the show. I will tell everybody, Job is my favorite book. Why? You might ask why. John asked why. Why? I thought you might. Why ask. is that your favorite book? I thought you might ask. It's because it is the oldest book in the Bible. And here's my feeling and my theory that what was written first is probably the closest we have to what was really back when things got started. And so I like to see how these people, and how Job in particular, approached God, how he thought about God, what they, the questions they had and what they understood. And by doing that, I think I get a glimpse into the very first relationship of a human being with God. Everybody knows about what the book of Job is about. It's about a human being suffering and going through some tremendous problems. However, it's clear in the first couple of books of Job that Satan does not have the power to do it without God's permission. Now, I'm going to do this probably a little different because I'm going to use the ancient Jewish understanding of what Job is all about. Some things may be palatable, some things may not be not acceptable in certain different religious points of view. And that's fine. You can call in and share your point of view. But What's that phone number again? Oh, thank you. We have a phone, don't we? It is 210-340-9585. May I repeat that, John? You may. Please do. Yeah, that's 340-9585. And that will be the key. You'll Just be, put that on speed dial. Put it in your, store uh, it in your phone. Right. So what I'm going to ask everybody to do while I do a couple of questions and give a couple of minutes synopsis of the book of Job, please go get your Bibles and have Job with you in handy. There are some fantastic verses that we really never talk about from the book of Job. And everybody knows that Job is uh, is a, a book about him being suffering great penalties, but we're told that he's not a sinner. Well, we all know that every human being sins, but we're told by the writer that uh, even God in the first two chapters, he says, hey, have you considered Job? He's my great guy. He doesn't sin. So we got that dilemma. We have to deal with that. But this is the way I'd like to approach Job. Everybody that goes to a place of worship, whether it's a church, a synagogue, wherever, Picture this. When you go there in this dimension, in this physical world, we don't see God there. But we still go there because we th- understand we're in the presence of God. So that's the way we should approach, I think, the book of Job. Because it says in cha- chapter 1, it says, On a day when the sons of God came to see God. Well, that doesn't mean they were in heaven with him. What that meant was they went to the church or synagogue, whatever you want to call it. They were here, let's say on earth, but they were sons of God because they were following God's laws. In the Hebrew, if you obey God's laws, the Torah, you are a son of God. So they're going there, Now, at the same time, in a heavenly or mystical sense, or however we want to put it spiritual sense, where God was at, Satan came. I know some people interpret this as the sons of God. They try to construe it to be an angel. But if it says that, then what you've got is it says uh, some angels came and another angel to Satan. That doesn't make sense. The sons of God are human beings, but they're got sons of God because they're obeying God's commandments. Uh, now, so in this world, you go to church, synagogue, whatever. And in the spiritual realm, that's where God is, Satan goes. That's why he can, so at the same time the sons of God are appearing before God at their place of worship, up where he's at is where the Satan and he are having this discourse. Now, I know in the Christian world that angels can rebel and have free will. In the Jewish world, angels do not have free will. However, they can accomplish exactly the same thing that in the Christian's world that they understand. They rebel. However, in the Jewish world, they are understood to be created to do that particular thing, to rebel. And Satan is the adversary, the opponent, and his job is to provide temptations. So what's happening is... so. Job is Satan goes and he gets permission to attack Job. Now, we know that some very bad things are happening. However, if we look at it as not just the horror of the events when we get into the book, we also look at the psychological pain. For example, John, suppose you were sitting on a jury, okay. and, I, and I came in and I said to you, John, John. This case is about a guy that lost his right hand in a, in, a, in a factory. And I said, write it down on a piece of paper what you'd give this guy, assuming that you know there's liability, all that kind of stuff. And you wrote down on a piece of paper what you'd give him for losing his hand. And I said to you, now, don't show me that paper, but now pretend that somebody just came in and told you that your entire family just got killed. And which one of those pains are worse? And certainly the hand is something, but I know almost nobody that would not be willing to lose their hand to not have to live with for the rest of their life that pain. So there is a way of measuring those pains. And what's happening is, if you look closely at the first couple chapters, these people come and they bring a message to him. And they say, This is what happened. They're doing something to him. Now, why is that important? What just took place and permission was granted to Satan is he can do things to Job. Well, now come back, look at a motion picture, and it fades out and it fades back on earth. Immediately, the things begin to happen. He's told these terrible, painful things that he must live with. That's Satan at work. And then three buddies show up. I say buddies loosely (laughs) Uh, because every one of these guys, uh, Eliphaz, uh, is actually the eldest son of Esau. Bildad is a Shuhite, and he's uh, in the book of Job, of course. And the third guy is Zophar. And he and all, all of them are actually from parts of the world that today we know to be the Arabic or today Islamic world. Now, what's interesting, they all offer their own theories to Job as to what's happening. And what's fascinating is at the end of the book of Job, they say things that sound so reasonable and so wholesome to us and reasonable, like the primary, the, all three think he's a sinner. The first theme, major theme, is that Job, you really are a sinner. The second one is that this is just part of a divine plan. We just don't get the whole picture. It's important that these bad things happen to you for some reason. you just got to understand. The third is, Job, you don't have enough faith in believing God. You keep criticizing him. What's fascinating, those are the three major themes between all the different speeches. Now, what's fascinating is this. At the end of the book of Job, in chapter 42, God shows up. And he says directly to those three friends, so-called friends, you three made those theories up. I never said that. And I find that fascinating because really, primarily, they're using arguments that we hear in today's religious world from many quarters. And yet God shows up and says, I didn't say that. You made that up. And in chapter 42, he actually tells the three guys that expressed those theories. Now, go ask Job to pray for you. Now, here's Job that's gone through a terrible situation. <clears throat> Pardon me, I, it's my allergies. And what's happening is, yet they have been expressing all these arguments. all oh, Job's a sinner. He doesn't have enough faith. It's part of the plan. You just got to appreciate it. And the truth is, God says they're wrong. Now, there's a fourth guy that shows up in the book of Job. I'm just giving a quick overview here. But and his name is Elihu. Now, Elahu. Oh, Elahu? Elahu, yeah. And Elahu is actually, in, for, in English, means uh, he is my God. Now, it's missing basically just one letter. You add one letter, which is actually uh, the first pronounceable syllable of God's name to Elahu, and in English, it comes out Elijah. Some people believe I personally kind of subscribe to it too, that this may be the very first appearance of who we know to be Elijah. Because when he shows up elsewhere in the Bible, it just begins talking about him. <clears throat> now, when was Job written? Job, as far as we can tell, was actually may have been a child of Nahor, Abraham's brother. Mm, okay. So we have an idea. Now, he has an idea of God that seems to be acceptable and palatable to God because God doesn't criticize Job. However, the other guy that's not criticized in the Bible is Elihu. He's not the three guys are offering all these explanations and theories about why just bad stuff's happening to Job. They get criticized by God. He shows right up in the book and says, "You guys are wrong. I never said that." Anyway, so what happens is Elihu actually. In chapter 34 actually tells us what Job may have not been doing correctly. So the theory that we don't know why is because we're not spending enough time reading it and looking it up and seeing what it says. We'll hopefully get to that a little bit tonight. But now let's do a couple of, que- <laughs> Pardon yes, me, a couple of questions. Yes, let's, please. Let's jump right in. Okay. So the first question, I'm going to do about three and let's see. Do as many as you'd like. Ah, okay. And this one is a horrible one. And, of course, you know, Soapy. let yes, always
3: start with the horrible one.
4: Yes, that's true. <laughs> okay. And uh, it's in Bill Dodd's first response to Job. He says that Job's children deserve to die because of what? The answer is 8-4. An now, think about this. He goes to a guy that supposedly lost his children here. And they say, oh, your kids, you know, they deserve, die." Yeah, by the way, I'm your friend. I'm just here to make you feel better. That's like walking into a hospital like after a guy's been in a bad accident. Say, gosh, don't you look bad, you know. <laughs> so, but, uh, so it says his children deserve to die, Job 8.4. Uh, the other one I go to is, what is the primary mistake that Job's friends make about God? Okay, and uh, then I'll do this one. Um, in Job's sixth speech, Job wished out loud for something that is is granted to him as proved by the existence of the book of Job. What was it? Answer, 1923. Now, if we go back and we start looking, there's some fascinating things here, and I'll just go ahead and mention a couple. <clears throat> things that we don't realize that are in the book of Job. My Personal favorite verse. I'm not going to go through them. Just going to substance say what the verse is about. We can talk about them later. If somebody calls in and wants to talk about them, Um, and like I say, if somebody disagrees, please call in. If somebody has a comment or another question, please call them at three four zero ninety five eighty five. That would be the question. That will be the first question we get. What's the phone number? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so in nineteen twenty-two of Job is actually the most fascinating verse, and and he's talking to his so-called three friends, and he says in substance. Aren't you satisfied with my flesh? Must you destroy my spirit too? Remember we talked about the psychological injury and all this kind of thing? And so he actually, Job actually says when his friends are telling him all the bad stuff he did and why he deserves this, he actually says, Aren't you satisfied with my body, my flesh? Do you have to destroy my spirit too? That's actually one of the greatest lines, I think, in the book of Job. And uh, a famous line that people quote a lot, um, and it is quoted in one of the prophets, but it's also in Job, and it's in chapter 13, and it's, it's a famous line that goes like this. He says, though he slay me, I will trust in him. But nobody quotes the second part. There's a comma, and it says, then he'll have to face me, because I'm innocent. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Well, oh, there, we got a call. Why don't we see who's on that phone? and so we're going to keep going on and uh okay uh and in chapter 16 Job actually tells his comforters his friends he says you're miserable comforters and who's on the line John Our first caller. we have Bob for you Bob for me the first caller Bob you are for me yeah hey uh can you hear me hey can you hear me i can no?
5: I uh, when you were saying uh, you got my flesh and you and you want my spirit too, do you think he's talking to uh, the Most High or is he talking to these uh, would be friends? Would be friends.
4: He's trying to say to them, aren't you satisfied? Mm -hmm. Look at all the Uh things that have happened to me. Are you trying to Mm -hmm. crush my soul, my spirit, Mm to take away my hope? Mm -hmm. And so he's Uh not talking to Uh his three friends.
5: Um, you know, it reminds me of of uh, the Nobel Prize winning uh, book and writer Elie Wiesel, who uh, says uh, about the Holocaust. Uh, yeah, yeah, they 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 physically destroyed these all these people, <laughs> but it's it, that's only the that's only part of it. They, they they got in our heads uh those of us who survived. And uh, you know, I saw a lecture. I saw a lecture. Uh, I went to his lecture in 1987. This was shortly after he had won the prize. Uh-huh. I was in Lebanon, Pennsylvania at the time, uh-huh. and uh, I was only 13 years old at the time. And I, I, I was maybe not as sophisticated as I should be. But uh, I, you know, looking back on it, I can see the the injury that this man had in his uh, his face, in his voice, uh, his mannerisms uh, it's, it, this is, this is the thing that happened. He, it was an attack. And he, he went on in some of his interviews to say it was an attack on the, the body of the people, but it was an attack on faith. And, and many people said, uh, God is dead after the Holocaust, you know? Uh-huh. So, uh, I, uh, when you, when you brought up that Job scripture, I said, well, I think I'll try and get in on, on a line here and, 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 and add that, uh, that the similarity to Elie Wiesel and Job
4: uh, to me yeah, uh, yeah I uh, actually spoke to a man uh, late this evening before I came on the show that had lost his wife a couple of years ago to cancer lost his home mm-hmm. and he made mm-hmm. the most interesting comment he said you know there are times when all the, it's one thing to read about Job it's another to live it and he said, "There are times when it all's so bad that you lose all faith, you lose all hope, and yet you keep going on. And, Bob, Yes. Are you familiar with the book *Man's Search for Meaning*? No. Okay. That almost back sounds here.
5: like Rick Warren, but I bet it's better than well, Rick Warren. Right, uh, <laughs> you can bet.
4: It's written so because actually Rick Warren will talk about that in a minute or two. He wrote the book uh, *Purpose-Driven Life*, that kind of stuff, and in throughout the book, I actually sat to a class with a. A Catholic group, actually. And they were going through that book. And he quotes the three friends significantly because their arguments seem so cogent and so proper to us. And yet, mm-hmm. uh, at the end, God says they're wrong. Anyway, but the man's mm-hmm. search for meaning is this. It's actually written by a real psychiatrist, obviously Jewish, mm-hmm. who was a psychiatrist before he went to the camp. And he said he's seen people larger, stronger, with more health, better health, that gave up and died. But this psychiatrist mm. made it through. It's a very thin book. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And uh, he was uh, in the Holocaust camp, just similar to what wow. you said about Elie Wiesel. And he said wow. the difference was um, he had hope. He didn't lose his hope. He said the bigger, stronger, more healthier people that died, they lost mm. hope. And he said he, he was a psychiatrist. He knew if he hoped for nothing else, he hoped for lunch that day. Anything with hope would keep him. <laughs>
5: wow! Uh, I would like to announce to the to the uh, listeners and you uh, uh-huh. that uh, H- Hannah Davidson Pankowski is going to have a. A, a talk over at the Bernie Library. Uh, go, go to the Bernie Library website and you'll find it. I don't know the date of it. I think it's the 27th, but uh, her book may be available. Uh, it's East of the Storm. Uh, she was. Uh, she had a brilliant father and mother, and, and I think that saved her life. Uh, their brilliance got them to the east of Poland, and then it got them over into the Soviet Union, their multilinguality and their uh, incredible skill. Uh, and uh, they were actually doing quite well. I think it was in Rhodes, but it might have been Warsaw. Uh, they were actually doing quite well before the invasion of the Germans. Mm-hmm. And uh, she uh, depended on the the brilliance, actually. And that's just my opinion because I've scanned her book. But her book is always checked out in the in the San Antonio Public Library. It's always checked mm-hmm. out. You might get you might get just blessed and get to read it for one day mm-hmm. if you visit the library. But it's if you leave it for one day, it's going to get checked out. And, uh, you know and uh,
4: also about La Vazell. he has a friend here in San Antonio, and he comes here sometimes and actually stays at his friend's house.
5: Ooh that uh Brother Samuelson or, or someone else, or uh, one of the it's, rabbis?
4: It's Samuelson, yes, uh huh. And, uh, the thing uh Brother Samuelson you. was, was, uh, they,
5: they, uh, they slammed a violin over his head, the, uh, the Nazi officer, uh, yeah. I read that on the internet, uh, that's, that's really an incredible story there.
4: You know, I'm sure you can Google this. When they opened up the Holocaust Museum in Washington, at the end of this uh, Holocaust Museum uh, interview and where they're going through and showing what the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. is about and what it contains, there's a conversation for about a half an hour, 40 minutes, between Ellie Wiesel and Walter Cronkite. By the way, would you well, like to hear my Walter Cronkite impersonation? Yes. Thank you, because I was going to do it anyway. Okay, here it comes. And that's the way it was. Anyway, but so, yeah, but at this conversation that's going on, it's very dramatic, because Cronkite comes from a German background, and he says, you know that my grandparents killed your grandparents. And uh, then they ask Ellie Wiesel, how do you feel about that? And he said, we cannot blame the children for the sins of the parents. Anyway, you can Google mm-hmm. that and watch that. But at the end is the real thing. That's amazing. And, uh, did, by the way, <clears throat> did you know in the book of Job it says the earth is round?
5: Yes, it does. Uh, uh, the circle of
4: the earth? Or? Yes, uh-huh. and did uh, you know, I'm, I'm hurrying because we're getting closer to a break here, but did you know it also that it said God hangs the earth out in space on nothing? Isn't that wow. fascinating? And that's the oldest mm-hmm. book in the Bible. <clears throat> and
5: uh, you know, uh, people uh, people criticize uh, religious people, uh, be they Jew or, or uh, Christian, or even Muslim, I suppose, uh, of trying to uh, quote unquote merge uh, some of the ancient scriptures and and the science. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say, "Oh, that's that's uh, that's terrible. That's." Uh, but, uh, no, I, I find that uh, it actually, even uh, Stephen Hawking, he repeatedly talks about God. John, how many but, seconds he, left?
4: Okay, we're going to go to a break. You can hang on if you want, Bob. Yeah.
5: Okay, well, I'll, I'll let somebody else go in. It was good to talk to you, uh, Jacob. Okay, bye-bye. Shalom.
3: We'll be back with more of the Bible Live Quiz Show after these messages. 340-9585. Call in with a comment or a question.
4: Dr. Stan
0: Shelton with offices at Loop 14 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks
1: about our dentist.
6: Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually...
1: It's going to be a hot summer, but not when you're driving. BNR Auto is your first name in affordable A.C. repair in San Antonio. Located downtown at 2401 West Commerce, our specialists will check your air conditioning for free. Call us at 215-1519 for all your car or truck repair services. We do the repair work no one really wants to do, and we do it right. Don't drive in this heat. BNR Auto stands for BUR. Mention the Bible Live for a 10% discount.
2: This is David Davenport of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. The FBI concluded that Hillary Clinton's email practices were, quote, extremely careless but not criminal. That's the court of law. But the court of public opinion will speak on this matter at the ballot box November 8th. And let's face it, there's plenty of room for the electorate to draw a different conclusion in electing a president than the FBI reached on a criminal indictment. I'm extremely careless but not a crook isn't a great slogan for a campaign bumper sticker. What should voters weigh about this? 100 Ten emails in her personal account contained classified information. Thousands of her emails were deleted and not made available. It is possible, the FBI said, probable, I would say, that other countries hostile to our interest hacked her insecure emails. Voters who already say they're concerned about Clinton's integrity are right to consider her lack of care and openness in handling this vital matter of national security. I'm David Davenport. Learn more at townhallreview.com. Peace through planning. It's a beautiful thing. We're talking with Charlie Weisinger of Weisinger Law Firm. And, Charlie, 41% of baby boomers don't have a will in place. Charlie, your clients need to make sure their 20, 30-something-year-old children take advantage of your free consultation. Well, in my view, every person over the age of 18 needs a plan in place because as a legal adult, no one has any authority over them to handle their bank accounts or make medical decisions unless they give someone that authority, even when mom and dad are still paying the bills. And I can help put all those plans in place. People think, I don't have much, I don't own land and property, Uh, my will can wait. Actually, it's more important to have a plan in place because without a will, probate can be much more expensive and folks with smaller estates simply can't afford going through the probate process and property could be lost. So the answer is call attorney Charlie Weisinger of Weisinger Law Firm today and let Charlie help you achieve peace through planning. Charlie, what's your phone number? Phone number here in San Antonio is 210 308 Zero eight zero zero for Weisinger Law Firm. WeisingerLawFirm.com dot com.
0: Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from six to ten on AM six thirty KSLR and KSLR dot com. Covers me and raise this dead man's life. It's all
6: because of Jesus. You're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie
1: Dollar.
3: And welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. I'm John Harrison sitting, well, sitting in Soapy's seat, kind of taking up space. It's really Jacob's show this evening. And you can call in with a question or a comment for for, Jacob at 340-9585. That's 340-9585.
4: And we're talking about the book of Job. And we are talking about the book of Job. And I understand we have... Uh a plethora of callers and the next we have, we one is Esther. Esther.
3: We have Esther. Hi, Jacob. Hi. I like this.
6: Hi. The, Hi. I like the uh, scripture that uh from Job chapter nineteen, verse twenty two. Uh, Why do you persecute this is what the King James says. Why do ye persecute me as God and are not satisfied with my flesh? Right. And For me, I never noticed that before, that he's saying, you're persecuting me as God does. Uh So, you know, that's really hard to hear because we all have our uh, troubles and sicknesses and hopes that are dashed and all of that. And and you had gone through all of that horrendous suffering, and now his friends are, are on him. He says there's nothing left. Here he is. Why do you persecute me as God? And put in parentheses in God. And these other humans who identify with him, they don't even show him pity uh, for his miserable flesh. (laughs) Right. And that is, it makes a connection to you closer, you know, you're connected more closely to God than what you think you are, you know, because we have the book, there is a reason for this all, but at that time, Job can't see it, and, you know, it it is amazing that you, you know, connected the spirit and the physical together, which they should be, there's never one without the other, and uh, so I appreciate you pointing that out.
4: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Speaking of spirit and flesh, now I'm probably going to get a little thin ice here, but did you know that in the book of Job, and actually it's now the one guy that's never criticized by God when God shows up, he criticizes uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, the, the, the three guys, but he never criticized Elihu. And so we know that whatever Elihu is saying evidently is acceptable to God. And did you know that in the book of Job it actually, from Elihu's speech, it actually expresses the ancient Jewish idea, which really is the prevalent idea too, of about what happens to a person when they do die. Did you know that? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I don't know if you've got your Bible there and it does sound like it, <laughs> flip over to Elihu's speaking. It's chapter 34. Now, this is going to be fascinating for many of our listeners because you hear a lot of people, and I in no way would contradict or discour- disdain anything anybody says, but you know, especially in, in the Christian thought, you believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. you go to heaven. However, that has never been the quote-unquote Jewish idea. And actually, in the book of Job, it talks about, and it comes out of Elihu's mouth, who I think later is, he gets the first letter of God's name added to Elihu, and it becomes uh, Eliyahu or Elijah. And okay. if you look in 34, you'll find in, um, let's see, 34 verses 14 and 15 actually is words about how the they conceived, and Joe being the oldest book, I find it fascinating that it's actually addressed. Have you got your Bible handy? yeah Okay, look at 34, verses fourteen, fifteen, And King James usually does a good rendering. If you don't mind, would you read it to us?
6: Okay, uh, verse 13. If he set his heart upon man, if he gather unto himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh shall perish together, and man shall turn again into dust.
4: Uh-huh, so what Elihu is referring to is the Jewish concept that the spirit is in a human being. And when it was placed in the animal, the human being is actually in chapter 2 of Genesis. And what he's referring to, even in Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon says, who can say for sure that the animal goes to the earth or dust and the spirit returns to God? So the idea was when it says... If he would gather his spirit, he's talking about God. In other words, God loaned his spirit to the animal, put his spirit in human beings. Very, very similar to the modern-day Christian concept. And so he gives a spirit. And when he takes the spirit back, what's left is man returns to dust. And it is. Look at it, it Go it ahead, is it
3: again. Here
6: it is again exactly what you said that he gave a part of himself to us in verse 13 if he set his heart upon man if he gather unto himself his spirit and his breath uh-huh. all flesh they perish together
4: right
6: and man should return again to That's very very
4: huge <laughs> Well, it's fascinating, spirit and breath in Hebrew is actually the same word. It only changes one vowel. It's neshima and neshama, but it's the soul and the spirit. And so the breath is the spirit. And so if he takes his spirit back, and that was the ancient understanding, takes the spirit back, God can take it back, Mm -hmm. and the spirit returns to God because at that time, the concept of uh, they didn't have the concept of a a hell you you might say so their concept yeah. was spirit was given to a human being to be alive as a a human being but when the spirit left it went back to god but the body the dust to dust returns to dust and it's fascinating that's actually addressed in the oldest book of the bible exactly the concepts and i've often found that extraordinarily fascinating Right. And, well, go ahead, I'm sorry.
6: No, that's fine. You said that they didn't have the concept of hell in the Old Testament. Yes, uh uh-huh. But it says repeatedly in the Old Testament, if you don't behave, uh-huh. then you will be cut off. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Which you can cut off from the fellowship or the, the family of God.
4: Yes, uh-huh. Well, yes, cut off uh, from either, it can be cut off uh, from being part of the community, or it can be cut off from life. That's right. And there is a a word called caes, which means uh, even more severe cutting off, you might say. But, I mean, it has mm-hmm. something to do with what happens to your soul and spirit. But, yes, they, they didn't have the concept where a person goes and spends eternity. That came later. But it's certainly not in the book of Job. But did Pray. you know also in the same chapter, Elihu, who, as I say, is not criticized by God when God shows up, he says, <laughs> pardon, pardon me, I'm sorry, um, Would he, he actually gives uh, some reasons and he's not criticized by God what Job was doing. Because remember, at the beginning it says, in all this, Job sinned not with his mouth. He didn't blaspheme God. Um, he, and he, he didn't do that. So, but something's not right. Well, in chapter 34, and if you look at verses uh, 34 through 36, Elahu actually gives us something that was not going right. Now, he doesn't call it a sin, but 34 And that's verse 34 Mm -hmm. to 36. I'm interested in what the King James has, because what I've got in front of me is uh, an English translation from the Hebrew. So what do you have?
6: 34 says, uh, Let men of understanding tell me, and let a wise man hearken unto me. Job hath spoken without knowledge, and his words were without wisdom. Uh Do you want
4: 36? Yeah, and uh, so...
6: But it is my desire that Job may be tried unto the end because of his answers for wicked men. For he added rebellion unto his sin, he clappeth his hands among us, and multiplieth his words against God.
4: uh Uh-huh. Now, so when people say that there's nothing given, we actually have Elihu, which is never criticized by God. Giving some explanation of what's going on during this passage. Now he doesn't call it a sin. In fact we know that when God shows up he tells these three scallywags to go yeah. uh, to go ask Job to pray. And let me ask you <coughs> pardon me, I still have the lingering of the allergies. Let me ask you, why would you just your thoughts. Why do you think God would tell the bad guys, making up these theories about you are a sinner, this is part of the big plan, or you just don't have enough faith? Why would God say, I never said that, now you three go ask Job to pray for you. Have you ever wondered about that? Um,
6: I really haven't wondered about that because I'm so used to hearing people talk like that. Oh. But why would he say that? I mean, I really, that's the way people talk. And so it never occurred to me that, uh, you know, to wonder why God would not approve of that. So tell me.
4: Well, I can only tell you what I think. And, uh, of course, I am an expert in my own opinion. Very good. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, in fact, I, I would like to tell you because I'd enjoy hearing it again myself. <laughs>
6: <laughs> can't get of a good thing. can't get too much of a good thing okay, yeah yeah,
4: so, yeah now here's an idea if you've got a situation where let's say job, whether he's Jewish or not jewish that I don't think that's relevant, but God's saying to these guys, you've been saying things about me that I never said, but what job has been saying is... Evidently okay. I listen to Job's prayers. So he has become, you might say, uh, a visual aid perhaps, um, an mm-hmm. idea of teaching what is truth about God, and there will, they will learn from Job what God is really about. Because if God shows up and says, hey listen, you know, I never said that, you guys are making that theory up, that's not <laughs> me. Now, go listen to him because what he's been saying is acceptable to me and have him pray for you. That Mm -hmm. almost becomes uh, a didactic uh, illustration of a guy who becomes, for lack of a better term, uh, a teacher, a prophet, a missionary, whatever you want to call him. He's teaching these guys what you've been making up is not about God. It's about what I've been saying. And so if you'd really like to know... It seems all my suffering, everything I've gone through, my name, Yov, which, like say, appears to be the word suffering from ancient Hebrew. If that is what that's about, his suffering, and the the Christian listeners ought to really appreciate this because it certainly is a, 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 I don't like the word, but we'll call it a foreshadow, because if his suffering that he's been going through is to bring these guys away from their idol worship, their false gods, and to the real God, then the purpose of his suffering may be to get the rest of the human beings to accept who God really is, the real God.
6: Okay. Which then begs the question, who is the real God?
4: Well, well, he's the one in the Bible. You'll see him all over in there. <laughs> no,
6: but I know. Then what does he want? What does he want? Like, he's doing all of these things to Job. Job's crying out and, and uh, you know, needing to be comforted. And, and uh, his friends are accusing him, and they get worse and worse. Uh, just confess your sins, and all will be healed. And actually... The Bible does say that confess your hand, your sins and I will heal you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I I don't know what God's plan would be to to do this, except to say that uh, He can do what He will. To me, that's what the book is. He can God can do uh, as God, because that's who He is. Exactly what He wants. Well, you know,
4: yeah, I, without
6: explaining himself I like, to have, himself to, to, I like to have
4: a just God, though. I don't want him to say, "I'm I I, I do whimsical things because I'm God and you're not." Ha ha. But uh, well,
6: but he can be whimsical if he wants to be. Well, he could. I mean, but... he does give tests to men. You know, like he gave uh, math, uh six days and said, uh, "You know, I'm testing you." I'm watching to see if you go out on the seventh day. That's what I thought.
4: Well, you know, actually, in in Chapter 34, when Elihu begins talking, he does suggest what you're saying. He's talking about what you're saying, Job, is you're you're making your sense of justice greater than God's, and therefore you think you're better. And he's dispensing yeah. God, justice. But you don't know that. And then when he gets down to the other thing, it says men with wisdom would agree. And that's why he said Job tried forever. Uh, and, he, and he says the really interesting thing is that Job tried forever as a response to wicked men. So Job <laughs> evidently pardon me, was evidently being criticized by Elihu for uh, giving responses and entering into this debate uh, with <laughs> these three bad guys. But I think what you said about when it says confess your sins, I, I think that's really what I'm suggesting that as I've always taken this is what it's saying. It says, look, when God says have Job pray for you. Well, in order to have Job pray for you, they have to kind of to use your words, kind of confess their sins and be converted, you might say. So they they have to do that because otherwise their prayers are not really to God because they don't seem to have a grasp. Now suppose that one of these three guys, for whatever reason, had suffered what Job suffered. Do you think Job's comments would have been what their comments are to him? It's possible. Yeah. See, I, it's it's possible. possible you
6: don't think that he would say the same thing. There, no, there must I, be I think thing. he yeah. would
4: have been consistent with what he says when he's under great stress. I, I, through this book, I think he would have said, "Look." Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, this is a bad suffering, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why, but it does happen. And he can... I Naked think I came could, into
6: the world, naked I'll go. Yeah.
4: Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, but he wouldn't come up with these theories that even in today's religious world, we so often use about, look, you really are a sinner. Blame the guy that's getting all the punishment. Just blame him. That's an easy way out. In fact, I do know that in... Um, In Islam, there is a a statement that they say, if you see a a crippled man, kick him. Well, well, it's because, see, the idea is is if God has punished this guy, then you'd be going against their God, Allah, to be of a benefit to him. We're in Christianity, and God bless Christianity, the world would be a terrible place without it. But the truth is... They take exactly the opposite view. They want to be sympathetic and helpful. It's exactly Mm -hmm. opposite than if you see a crippled man kick him. But it's like when they had those big uh, typhoons on an island a couple years ago. Uh, the Arab world, you would have thought, since it's a Muslim area, they would have been the, some of the most generous. But they frankly mm-hmm. had to have their arm twisted by the American government to even give, well, I think it was like a paltry $4 million. And yeah. uh, America and Israel and other places went there with doctors and actually footed all the bill. Because right. they were taking it that that was God's punishment on them. So you see, that theory has is really even still dominant in this ancient book of Job. I
6: kind of think that the book of Job overall is uh, sort of a picture of the nation of Israel suffering, uh, you know, and they will suffer, and everybody wonders what in the world, what in the world, you know, the sin uh, became present. Uh, amongst humankind from the garden. And so no matter what you do, it seems like you can't get away from evil. And, uh, yet there's always some good present and, and, uh, God is so kind and good and, and, uh, blesses us, uh, even those that hate him with food and jobs and people to love and, and such. But through the book of Job, That is the nation of Israel. In other words, Job, to me, uh, is a picture of the nation of Israel suffering. And he will, in the end, win. I mean, good will prevail over evil. And if all through the book of Job, Job never suffered, then, you know, and the whole rest of the world is suffering, but Job or Israel never suffered, then maybe people could say, well, why, uh, why, why shouldn't they love God? We're not surprised. Look, God is good to them. They sit there and, and hate God from where they are because they're not blessed like Job. But Job, uh, yeah. just like Israel suffered, and yet they clung he clung to God and so does Israel. They still have the Bible in their hand and uh still believe in the God of the Bible. And uh so in the end they win. They got twice as much as they began with. <laughs> so it has a very happy ending. Yeah, but it's you. You know, it yeah,
4: does the thing. yeah, let me ask you, God God forbid. But let's suppose tragedy struck and you lost mm-hmm. children, and God forbid it never happens. But what do you think would be the most insensitive thing a person could say to a person that lost their children? Uh,
6: the most
4: insensitive
6: thing, uh-huh.
4: and uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's I don't know. the first question I ask. Is in chapter eight, verse four of Job. And it is, I, I can't even imagine people call these guys his friends and comforters.
6: Oh, oh, I know that they said that maybe they sinned to sin and they were taken. Well, I would, yeah, I would...
4: It's a little stronger than that. It says, when your children sin against him, God, the Almighty mm-hmm. uh, wow. used their very transgression to take him away. And so you yeah, your children wow. were killed, Joe, because they sinned wow. so clear to us. I think yeah. that would be a terribly insensitive and cruel thing to say.
6: I don't think i i I would never even expect to hear anybody say that. Even a really mean person, they would. There's something about death that is <laughs> so frightening to people, and uh, I, would, I would hope no one would ever say such a thing. You know, well, I like... thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say. Uh, God needed your children more than you did, so He took them. Well, that would be, I've thought about that. that I
4: don't would know be, how I would feel. Yeah, I understand that, but that would be a more clumsy but compassionate attempt, I guess. Yeah. But these guys yeah. to be the friends and come along and say, "Hey, you know why your kid is killed? Is because they sinned.
6: <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. Well, I, I have exhausted all of my, my thoughts, and I appreciate the time, and appreciate your putting the, the book of Job out. You really are doing a good job seeing helping us to weave the spiritual in with the physical, which we should be doing. Uh, the Bible is not a dusty old book. It's very relevant to our daily life, and I, I, I appreciate that. So I want to hear other callers, too. Okay. So. Continue All right, well, thank you for Continue calling,
4: here. Esther. Thanks. Yes, bye. And, hey, John. Yes, sir. Listen to this. You know, it's so funny because people say that when Columbus and everybody went, they thought the earth was flat. Well, they may have, but that tells us a couple of things, that they did not know the Bible because, or they didn't read it for sure. Because, okay. Because, listen, Job 22 and it's, uh, 14. Uh, It says, uh, where am I at? 13, 14, yep, here it is. Okay. The earth is a circle in the heavens. In other words, it's round. Mm -hmm. And I always found that fascinating that right here in the oldest book in the Bible, it says the earth is round. And it also says in Job that the sun gives off light, but the moon only reflects it. That's interesting. And in 26... Uh, they must
3: have skipped over that part when they were
4: reading the Bible. Yeah, Well, probably. <laughs> and in uh, chapter 26, let me turn there real quick. Listen to this. This is so interesting. Because I'm wondering, how would these guys have known this? Now, maybe they're just great mathematicians, you know. But listen to this. It's 26-7. Uh, let me find that real quick, and they'll say... That says, God spreads out the north over formlessness. He suspends the earth on nothing. They're describing space. Wow. And it actually Mm. says the earth is round and it's hanging in space on nothing. And you stop and you think, holy mackerel. They knew that back in Job's time. Now, maybe that was just common knowledge, and maybe Columbus and the other fellows in Spain and the people who financed the trip didn't know that. I don't know. But what's fascinating, it's all there, and it's been there it's since the Right there the in begin. Job. Wow and uh, And what fascinates me in the book of Job, people say, "Oh, he had the patience of job. he didn't have patience; he was actually very displeased with what was going on <laughs> so uh, so what do we got less than a minute right now, John less than a minute oh, okay, but isn't, don't you don't you find that fascinating? It says the earth's round, hung out in space, and nothing. The moon only reflects light, it doesn't create light isn't that fascinating? i find, I find it fascinating
3: to to think that people still thought it was flat uh-huh so many years later isn't
4: that interesting when it's uh, right when it's right there yeah you know i've often found that uh, very interesting and all those things are in job so when we talk about this generally we're not reading it we're not studying it for sure i know we're going to a break and what about two seconds now no we've just still
3: got a few seconds Ah,
4: a few seconds well then i'll just fill that up with intelligent kind con- conversation how's that Sure. I'll okay. talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can remind people if they
3: have a comment or a question to call 340-9585 to well, get in on the Bible Live Quiz you, Show. That's
4: a good idea. Do that right
3: now. 340-9585. Thank you, Jacob. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with more of the Bible Live Quiz Show. Stay tuned. You're listening to KSLR. <laughs>
4: listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.
3: Well, you are listening to The Bible Live this evening, but unfortunately not with Soapy Dollar. He's away from Why the is studio. Why
4: unfortunate? I'd like an explanation of that statement. Well, you know, we like
3: having a full house here, yeah. you know. We like well, having my, everybody here. My but chop liver. Well, I was going to, I was going to say we've been enjoying uh, uh Jacob here taking us through the book of Job. He's been doing an excellent job winging it going solo this evening. Maybe he should have his own show.
4: Uh-huh. Well, hmm. um solo that many people could not hear me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. You should sing tenor. 10 or 11 miles away from here.
4: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, You know what? That's a great idea. Um, (laughs) Okay. Listen, let's touch on something. Oh, wait, real quick. 340
3: 9585, if you have a question or comment. You can get in on this merriment. Yes.
4: 340 9585. You know, and in the book of Job, what's fascinating is Job's primary, at least his initial first couple arguments, are look, God. If there's something I'm doing that's wrong, I'm doing the best I know how to do. And, you know, you made me to be what I am. So if I'm doing something wrong and there's something I can't understand, it, it's the limitations that you created and gave to me. So I, how am I responsible for this? He's got Job is trying to reason. And he's saying, look, if I can't understand you made me what I am, so what I can't understand, why is that my fault? I can't. I'm only, I only am what you made me. And then along that line, there's something very interesting. May I read a verse? Please, go ahead. <clears throat> Thank you. I Sorry about my coughing. I've still got a little allergy. Okay, this is in Job 13, and actually I'm going to start at verse 13. Um, the translation I'm using is directly from the Hebrew, but uh, be silent. And I will have my say. This is Job talking. And he says, and I will have my say. Why should I bear my my flesh by my teeth? Most verses translate that to a famous phrase that you're familiar with. You've heard people say, man, I just escaped by the skin of my teeth. Yes, I have heard that. That yeah. comes from mm-hmm. right there. And wow. oh, several phrases come from here. But listen to the rest. This is, I'm going to read about three the verses. The rest of the story? Yeah. The All right. He says, I, and place my life in the palm of my hands. Though he slay me, I will place my hope in him. And just let me defend my ways before him. In other words, Job is expressing that there's a God, and he will die. And after he dies, he'll be there with God. And I'm going to loosely translate, and I will defend my ways. So Job dies, he shows up in front of God, and he's saying, God, I was innocent, and you took his spirit, I died. and uh, And then he goes on to say, he, he, God, is also my salvation and not a flatterer. No flatterer can come before his presence. <coughs> and he says, hear to my speech. I know that I will be found right. Who dares quarrel with me? For if I am now silent, I would perish. So Job is actually saying, look, I, I, I may die. But when I die, I'm going to see God. And I intend on saying, "Why, what did I do wrong? Just tell me he keeps saying what's what's my sin? What did I do wrong and it that has always fascinated me because he's actually expressing the idea, and that 's in chapter thirteen he's always expressing the idea <coughs> darn, sorry about that that I could die, but if I die, i 'm going to see God." So there again, you've got the idea of he's going to go to heaven. He's certainly expressing his faith that he's going to heaven, and that is the Job theory and basically the Jewish understanding. And so he's saying, look, I will see God, and then I will defend my ways. (coughs) Now, that coupled with the argument that he's saying that I am only what God made me. If there's something I don't get or I don't understand, You know, I'm doing the best I can. God made me what I am, so why would it be my fault? And that's an interesting defense. So Job is saying that when I end up dying and I see God, I'll explain to him. I'll defend my ways. And Job goes to this entire friend, but look, the three friends and what they're saying about God, which we know is wrong because God shows up and says it's wrong, they are exactly what Satan asked to do to Job. Satan said to God, No, let me uh, do stuff to him. And what he did is, suddenly the way it takes place, the. F- <coughs> oh, I'm so sorry, I apologize. So uh, the way it physically takes place and plays out is, these guys show up with arguments about God that's not true. But Job sticks to what he really knows about God, and God shows up and says, Hey, Job is right. You guys are wrong. Pray for him. So God does exactly what he says to Satan. He says, Well, Job's a good guy. He'll know what to do. And But it seems so unfair that Job has suffered all these things. But Job actually sticks to it. And in the way Satan has chosen to bring these things upon him are by these people have a different religion, a different way of viewing God, their own interpretations. But the way we're, to understand the book of Job is that's not really the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when we go back and we find <clears throat> exactly what Job is saying, he says, I have, he actually asked God along the way, he says, How many transgressions and sin have I done? Inform me of my iniquity and my sin. Now, we've talked about this a couple times in the past. Transgressions is intentional against God. Sins are neg- negligent. You may not intend to do it, but you do it. It's, it's still wrong, but you didn't intend it. It lacks intent. And that can be sin against a human being, too. So if... I, In fact, it, one of the greatest explanations is actually in chapter 14 and 15 of the book of Numbers. It actually explains that sin is accidental or negligent. So sin is negligence, and lambs are only used for sins. You remember when Jesus is on the cross, and he says, Forgive them they know not what they're doing? Well, that would be a sin. They don't know what they're doing. That's negligence. That's a sin. He never says, forgive them. They know exactly what they're doing against human beings. And that's why he says, inform me, God, of my iniquity and my sin. In other words, iniquity is intentional against another human being. A sin is negligent towards another human being. Sorry about that. And uh, I know I'm apologizing a lot, and that's probably the most interesting part of the show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so, uh, by the way, and would you, let me demonstrate the different take of how books and stories are taken differently. Now, in the uh, Christian scriptures, in, the say, the book of Matthew, there's a great story about the rich young ruler. He comes up to Jesus, and he says, now, Jesus, hey, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, where are you from, New York? No. He, he doesn't say that's a joke, and he says, and and so, and Jesus says, "Do you know the, uh, do you know the commandments?" And the guy says, "Sure." And Jesus names fives or six, depending on how you count. And it's fascinating. And the guy says, "The rich young ruler, I've said I've kept these all my life." Now the ones Jesus leaves out are the ones about how to relate to God, because if this guy's a rich young ruler, frankly. The only people who were rich in Israel at that time are the sellouts, the the uh, the prostitutes, the ones that are the apostates and hired out to the Romans. And generally, those are the guys that were running the temple because the, the real priests were fired. So this guy is obviously is rich. What he's doing is stealing from the temple, stealing from the church. And those. it's fascinating to me that those are the ones that are left out that are not mentioned. Because he can't say, uh, that one I keep, because he doesn't. He's obviously stealing, but he's giving Romans things and that kind of thing. So, here's the difference. In that story, in uh, the Richard Ruler story, from a Christian point of view, and I've heard Christians explain this to me, that, you know, this guy is either very evil or very naive, and he's just, <coughs> pardon me, very stupid. He's saying, what must I do to have eternal life? Well... He, Jesus really does not say believe in me. He talks about commandments. Now, commandments in the Torah have nothing to do with getting to heaven. Never did. They're how you live on earth and how you relate to other human beings and God. That's all those are about. It's just about getting along on earth. It has nothing to do with getting to heaven. Well, so what's fascinating is, is the Jewish take is exactly what it says in the book of Job. Job is saying, right here in chapter 34, when Elihu's explaining, that my spirit will go to God. The rich young ruler is not stupid, and the reason he's from a Jewish reading and applying the book of Job, he's saying, look, I'm going to heaven. My spirit's going to heaven. So what are you offering me, Jesus? And Jesus says, do the commandments. Do the right thing on earth. So, now that's a totally different take and you see how the way I take that when I read that I get the idea that they were understanding look I'm getting to heaven so what are you offering me and in the modern world of course you, the idea is that you must believe in Jesus to get to heaven but the rich young ruler story has such a different meaning if you know what their religion and beliefs were at that time it's much different So you and it ties right into the book of Job by the way If you'd like to see it expressed again, it's in Psalm 104, and I wrote it down somewhere. Yes, I did. And uh, yes, I did. It's in Psalm 104, verse 29. It actually talks about the difference between going to dust and the spirit going back to God in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says. So who can really say if the spirit goes to heaven and the, the dust or the animal turns to dust? So it's all there. We're just not catching it. And maybe somebody has not explained what that was, the concept, or what they understood at the time. Well, I will tell you, the thing that's always fascinating to me is is that Job is a book that is really an enigma. Because here's a guy that it would appear that God is allowing Satan to do these things to him. But if we go one step and say, exactly how is Satan allowing it? It would appear, I'm sorry, how is Satan accomplishing what God allowed him to do? It would appear, and this could be some thin ice, but this is something I've wondered about. It appears that his physical way of doing this to Job was telling him horrible things about death of his kids, his family, and having these other arguments about God. Now, think about that. When Satan's up there with God, and he says, "Well, let's let me uh, let me have, let me have him. I'll get him to do." And how does he go about it? <coughs> he brings people to teach him wrong things about God, and that seems to be a very important theme in this story. But job seems to stick to it and of course as i say when god shows up in chapter 42 he says you know i'm he he actually says i am very angry with you guys isn't that fascinating Mm -hmm, i thought it was i i I knew you know how i knew it was fascinating because i saw you wake up several times and listen so it's hard to sleep someone keeps talking i understand (laughs) so now Esther called and talked about the word cut off. She okay. was not talking about blue jeans. <laughs> <laughs> um, on chapter fourteen, and uh, verse ten, from the Hebrew is actually the word cut off. Well, why don't we read it and see exactly what it's talking okay. about? Okay. I'll do the reading. You can keep saying okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just listen. Okay. Well, no, no. You know, I, you know, I don't want to keep you awake. <laughs> Listen. So, uh, fourteen ten. But when a man dies, he is cut off. So he's cut off. He's dead from physical That's world, not. huh? A human being, being, a human being expires. But then, where is he? When waters disappear from the sea, the river becomes parched and dries up. So, <coughs> gosh, I'm so sorry. So. A man lies down and will not get up. They will only awaken and be aroused from their slumber when the heavens have ceased to exist. Now, what's so important about that is this. You've heard it perhaps sort of said in some teachings that the joke about the Sadducees did not believe in life after death. That's why they were so sad, you see. But Actually, but that's not correct because it says, listen very carefully to what it says. It says they did not believe in the resurrection. Ah, okay. They, of course, the Sadducees believed, as we say in English, that's not the Hebrew word, but of course the Sadducees, of course, Pharisees are not the actual word either, but it's okay. Um, the Pharisees believed based on this line, that's the line that actually espoused their teaching when it says, He will not be aroused from their slumber until the heavens cease to exist. That's 14.12. So based on that, they said, you know, there's a physical resurrection, not just spiritual. The Sadducees said, no, no, there's a life after death, but it's spiritual. But so both of them had the concept but ba- they were using that line, and that line actually from Job. In fact, uh, Jesus quotes Job. You know, uh, he was a, he was very very well read. That's a joke. All right. <laughs> 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 anyway, so, but listen to the next part too. Uh, if you, if only you would conceal me in another world, some kind of heaven,
3: mm-hmm.
4: uh, perhaps purgatory or the middle ground perhaps a laundromat (laughs) hide me away until your anger abates set a fixed time for me in other words when I'm going to die you will remember me if a man dies will he live again throughout (coughs) pardon me the time that is allotted to me I will continue to hope until I pass away now, remember we were talking about Man's Search for Meaning when Bob first called in? Mm-hmm, and the do. name of the book is Man's Search for Meaning. It's actually it's a very thin but quick to read. And uh, he was a psychiatrist. And the thing he said that made people live in the concentration camps now, he's obviously Jewish, but he wasn't very religious.
6: Hmm.
4: And uh, he said it was the idea of maintaining hope. And in the book, he'll actually say, even if I had nothing else to do, I'd hope for lunch that day. And I hope that goal made him live and listen to what it says in Job it says "Through all, all the time that is allotted to me I will continue the hope until I pass away so mm. even here, it was acknowledging hope was what made people survive right. mm. isn't that fascinating stuff? very much so yeah and Job says just call and I will answer you long for your handiwork in other words human beings he created them but now you count my footsteps. And what he means by that he says, you know, you've numbered my footsteps. I've only got a few steps left and I will die. And Job's wife, when she comes along in the early part of Job, she sees you know, she says, Look, we've lost our cattle, our sheep, our children are dead and look at you, you got boils. So why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> but now She's not being mean. She's being compassionate. She's saying, look, I love you. I don't want to see you suffer. You know, you've got to stop the suffering that's happening to you. I don't know why. She doesn't even get involved in the whys and wherefore. She's just saying, I don't want to see you suffer like that. And it's all really all functionally over. Just curse God and get out of this pain. And now she doesn't mean harmful things, but inadvertently her compassion Maybe another avenue that was selected by Satan in the sense of wrongful sympathy. Wow. Ah. You see what I'm saying? Yes, it, I it, think so. Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating because everything that's happening to him is exactly what Satan asked that permission to do. Isn't this fascinating stuff? I mean, I wish I had enough time to spend a week on this. Probably nobody else does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's some people listening. But this so, and, and listen to what this says in uh, verse 18. A mountain that has collapsed will erode. So a mountain just erodes. And so will a rock that has been uprooted from its place. It'll erode. Water, gosh, <coughs> <guys>, I'm sorry. <coughs> it, it washes away the seedlings from soil, so you will have deprived a mortal of hope. So what he's saying is, if you keep if this pain and this psychological pain, all these physical things keep happening to me, my hope is in danger. And what Jesus just said is, what keeps me alive is my hope. But He says, if you wash away seedings from the soil of the earth, the soil will be washed away. You deprive me, a mortal. "Listen, Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. Job is saying, you deprived me, God, a mortal. I'm just a mortal. You're not a mortal, but you deprived me of my hope. It's like washing the seeds away from the soil. Mm -hmm. That's the point he's making. You overwhelm him with, with eternity, and he departs. He again is talking about there's something else that goes on for eternity. You alter his countenance, and you send him off. I, and I know I'm getting short on time, but there's some more passages in here where, and it's actually in chapter uh, 29. Job to me gives a couple of a speech in 29 that really is very interesting to me. He talks about looking my life in the past. People returned to my phone calls. I was somebody. I mattered. I did, didn't return phone calls. But he, said, uh, but he said, you know, people stood up when I came in the room. They listened because I, w- I was a smart guy. I reasoned I didn't sin. He made a, and That's why he says I made a covenant with my eyes, not to lust after uh, young women. And so it wasn't the fact that he looked. I mean, beauty is beauty, and he looked. But he didn't dwell. He didn't lust. So he said, I do all this, and people respected me. Now they look at me and I'm nothing. I'm covered in boils. I'm sick. I've lost everything. They no longer treat me with the last refuge that Satan can take from you. Respect. Now nobody, my fam, my wife is abhors my breath. My children don't want anything to do with me. My friends don't want anything to do with me. He has lost respect. So he loses it. The compassion of his wife could be misused. His friends tell him about God and things that are not true. And uh, he says, and in fact, even my uh, the thing I enjoyed personally, that people would treat me like a friend and talk to me, listen to me, and that's gone. I mean, this guy has been stripped truly bare. But what's fascinating, at the very end of the book of Job, it says some tough, tough, tough things. <coughs> And it, the, these things are, are hard to understand because it says in the end, and I'll just cover a couple of verses real quick. Uh, it says, first it says, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, went and did as God had spoken to them. And God, listen to this, listen to this verse <laughs> that says, and God showed favor to Job. <coughs> So God says, "Now you guys have been lying about me. I guess there are tools of to Satan. Mm-hmm. So go, uh, God, Job, pray for you. And when Job, he didn't reject him; he prayed for him. Um, when he did, God showed favor to Job. And then it says, God then restored to Job all his fortunes when he prayed, and he doubled everything." Now, it's interesting. If you go down and you measure everything he lost, mm-hmm. in the end, you will see it got doubled. Now, that doesn't make up for what he lost, because it's always a loss. Talk to any parent that's lost a child, and even though they may have another child, it doesn't replace. You just learn to love the child in a sense of living with the death of the first one that was lost. Mm-hmm. I know we got less than a minute, and I guess we'll have to bring this to an end. But I really, really encourage people... Read the book of Job. Read it slowly. It, if it took a long time to write it, take a long time to read it. Great thought, great thought. Great thought. So anyway, John, uh, we won't take any more phone calls it, at this time. It is great to
3: know that when Sophie's away, he can leave it the show in, the cap- in your capable hands. Very
4: capable hands. Well, aren't you a nice guy? Okay, I'll buy you a donut. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. I God appreciate bless it. you all. And I do tell you what I always like to say to people. And I heard this from an aunt. She should always be the kind of man you would like to have for a parent. Wow. Words of wisdom on the Bible Live quiz show. We'll see
3: you next Sunday. Take care. The Bible
6: Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is PO Box 1888. That's Box 1888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218.
1: Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Sopi every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Live. Show.